0: Welcome to It Starts at Birth, a podcast dedicated to empowering women to have the birth that they choose through insightful conversations. My name is Mark, and I'm here with Faith, my wife, and we're set to have a new topic and a new conversation. So thank you so much for joining
1: us. Welcome to today's episode. And again, we are so happy that you're taking the time to join us. We're beginning a new series today that's really important to Mark and I and in a lot of ways at the core why we want to do a podcast in the first place and the topic that we're going to uh, begin a series on is focused on continuously placing a spotlight on the maternal mortality rate in the united states and our specific focus in today's episode is see the problem first of all if we only hear about the problem sporadically then not much change can be made this is something that people need to recognize they need to hear about and change needs to be made every day to begin to make some real progress on this issue but in this particular um, episode we're not talking just about seeing the problem we're talking about the letter c as in c-section we're going to really dive into how um, the high c-section rate in the united states plays into this problem so strongly
0: Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us for It Starts at Birth. Let's get right into it. So Faith, before we get started, this is something that you've, you know, been passionate about for a while and, you know, I see you doing research on it all the time and the more research you've done recently, the more you've you know come to a conclusion and the more passionately you believe that there is a solution to the high um, maternal mortality rate in the United States um, one of the highest in the world um, and in fact there was a time not not that long ago within my lifetime in your lifetime where we had a much lower mater- maternal mortality rate and the research is there and I think that you know with the right emphasis you know, we can actually see some change because we're not just talking about something that is um, consistent in other parts of the world. We're talking about something that is has happened here in the United States within our lifetimes.
1: Yeah, that's right. Before we um, talk specifically about three things, um, the connection between cesarean and the maternal mortality rate and the evidence that exists that there's a strong connection Um, And then we'll also look at, like, states that have a higher C-section rates in contrast with their MMR rate and what ACOG has to say about that rate. Um, I did want to spend a little bit of time talking about what you're referring to and just the history of the maternal mortality rate in the United States. I was surprised to find that this hasn't always been a big problem for us. We actually had it much more under control than we have in recent years. And I think that's something really interesting. And there's a lot of correlation between increased C-section rate. So some of the United States history of maternal mortality rate that I wanted to share with our listeners is um, that about 20 years ago, the MMR began to rise here in the US. But before that, it had significantly dropped decade by decade in conjunction with improved medical understanding and care around the world. We really matched the rest of the world as they began to progress in their understanding of how to prevent preventable um, maternal deaths during and after pregnancy. And um, for instance, in 1933, here in the US, our MMR rate was 619 deaths per 100,000 life births. Here Today, um, we have 660 maternal deaths. So that's pretty interesting in that in 1933, we actually had a better MMR than we do um, now or than we did in 2018 when the last study was um, completed and conducted. Um, but then you go to the 1960s, and the U.S. ratio dropped down to 37 deaths per 100,000 life births, a significant degre- decrease. And that had a lot to do um, with many things, but specifically the introduction of better antibiotics and understanding how to fight off infections made a big difference in that drop in the 60s. Um, in the 1990s, the late 1990s, it actually leveled off at about nine deaths per 100,000 but then since 1997, the numbers began their increase back up to today's to today's crisis-level numbers. So that's very interesting. In recent history, like Mark said, in our lifetime, the numbers were significantly better than they are. And I was just sharing what the numbers are here in the U.S., um, 660 deaths per 100,000 as of 2018. Um or excuse me, 660 maternal deaths in 2018. That's 17.4 per 100,000 pregnancies in 2018. But remember, and we've talked about this before in previous episodes, that that doesn't represent the whole picture. That's just an average. Um, The maternal death ratio for black women here in the United States is 37 per 100,000. So it's two and a half times the ratio for um, white women. So that's something that we have to talk about. Um, and also another really p- important piece of information that will come into play a lot in today's podcast is that some states report more than 30 maternal deaths per, per 100,000. So it's not just a blanket um, number. State by state, the MMR rate is much higher than our national average as well. So all of that is just to kind of give you some context of the problem here in the United States and our history as a country with this problem.
0: Yeah, and our goal is to ask the questions that can help us get to the answers. And one of those questions is, you know, what type of policy um, is being generated or what type of policy exists in states where there's a extremely bad um, MMR Uh, what can we do, what can we learn from those states, and how can we look to improve um, the experience that women have for um, birth here in the United States? Like, there's no reason for these numbers to stay bad, except for people being unwilling to ask the hard questions. But if you know that it's, if it's causing the death of people, then you should be willing to ask questions. And we don't think that in any way, C-sections are wrong, or they don't have a place in, um, in the, you know, in the birthing process, they do. The question is really simple. Are they being used as a life lifesaving um, um, last resort? Or are they being used as something that is more of a, um, you know, convenience for the doctors? And if they're being used for the right reasons, like it's a last resort, and it will save lives, then there's a place for that. But if they are using a life-saving method um, that in situations where it's not necessarily anybody's at risk of losing their life, that's where um, the the potential of correcting it could drive down uh, the MMR. That's what we're looking at here. You know, we do believe that they save lives and they should be used in the situations where it can save lives, but if they're being used in situations where It's not about life saving. It's more about um the, you know, doctor's um schedule, then, you know, that's a spot where we can learn and we can improve. And that's what this is all about.
1: For us here in the US, you know, we all seem to have a lot of pride in our country and we want the best for our fellow citizens. Um, And when we look at these numbers and we realize that we're ranking last overall among industrialized countries, um, we're the type of people typically in communities that want to rally and say, you know, how can we do things better? How can we fix this problem? So that is so much of what uh, this conversation is for. Uh, in beginning some research for this series because Mark and I had talked about it and it was something that we feel like there are so many things to just highlight and talk about and we want to keep the conversation alive rather than it being something that's discussed every time a new report is released, which is not often enough. Um, That's something we'll talk about as well as how the MMR information is gathered and how sporadically it's gathered and how that contributes to the problem, but that's for another episode. Uh, but in doing the research, um, I just kind of got a hunch whenever uh, I hit those those numbers and those that timeline that I just shared with you as far as when our MMR began its increase in 1997, I became curious um what our C-section rate was around the time um, that it was lowest, when around the time that our MMR was lowest, and if there was also an increase in the C-section rate in the United States as the MMR increased. And uh, when I combined um, those two timelines, I found some some really strong reason to believe that there is a big correlation there and so that's something um, that I wanted to share and that's why that this became the focus of today's episode. One thing I want to reiterate that Mark said um, is that of course we know c-sections save lives and c-sections in and of themselves are a wonderful invention and they um, they are not the problem but when they're misused and overused That's the problem, and it it can be a significant problem for women. Um, One thing that we've found in our research recently is that the World Health Organization um, has done studies and has come out and said that they see no um, increase in the number of mothers' lives or infants' lives that are saved when the C-section rate rises above 10%. So that's kind of a standard to keep in mind as we share the C-section rate here in the United States. So that brings us to really our first um, section of today's episode, and that's the connection between um, the cesarean rate and um, also its connection with the maternal mortality rate. Um, one thing that's very interesting um, Is, you know, first of all, you've got to ask yourself the question well, if there is correlation, is that really causation? um, If you're seeing an increase in C sections while at the same time seeing an increase in the maternal mortality rate. And um, Medscape did a study and released a report um, that when compared with vaginal delivery, maternal mortality and a special morbidity is increased with cesarean delivery up to approximately twice the rate after a vaginal delivery. And I ended up seeing that multiple places, not just on Medscape's report, but um, also on the CDC's website. Um, ACOG even alludes to it that there is um, certainly an increase in risk to the mother For maternal mortality when she has a c-section. And part of this increase in mortality is associated directly with the surgical procedure itself. Now, sometimes it certainly goes back to the reason that the cesarean was needed in the first place, but the surgical procedure in and of itself does lead to an increase in maternal mortality. So that's something to keep in mind and why it is so important to have a conversation about how and where c-sections fit into the problem. It's especially important because remember the World Health Organization recommends a 10% c-section rate whereas in the United States in 2019 31.7% of all deliveries were cesarean in the United States. Now in uh, 1997 that was at about 20%. So we've had about a 12% increase inside of um, C-section rates from 1997 to um, 2019. And um, the CDC reported that from 1996 to 2007 alone, the cesarean rate rose by 53% um, until it reached 32%, 32%, the highest rate ever reported in the United States. And the CDC, in terms of cesarean, goes on to say inside of this report that they did on trends in cesarean delivery in the United States, is that although there are often clear clinical indications for cesarean delivery, the short and long-term benefits and risks for both mother and infant have been subject of, the subject of intense debate for over 25 years. Caesarean delivery involves major abdominal surgery and is associated with higher rates of surgical complications and maternal rehospitalizations, as well as with complications requiring neonatal intensive care unit admission. So while that's not the topic of today's conversation, um, is how C-sections that aren't necessary affect infants, it also can have an effect on your baby as well, according to the CDC. So that just kind of presents the situation we're in in the country in terms of how many C-sections are happening and the evidence that is out there to say that it does contribute to the maternal mortality rate.
0: And like I said earlier, it's just one part of the problem. Um, But in the end, it's a big part of the problem. And we need to be talking about it. And understanding that, you know, with the right conversations, people can come to the same conclusion that this is something we can control. That's what we're all about here. So yes, I mean, it's about C-sections, but it's also about a culture of escalation and intervention, and understanding when the proper time to intervene. And it goes back to Um, so many different things we've covered in other episodes and we'll cover in future episodes, but you know, there are many reasons that people are, you know, rushing the process because of convenience and, um, versus actually needing to intervene for life-saving measures and understanding that that really is while like, we're going to talk about so many different issues, that really is the key difference, right? Is, is it necessary or is it at a convenience? And when that, that's understood, then you can take the next step, you know. But pretty much all of them come down to that one simple question. And when you find the answer, that's when a lot of times it's like people understand midwives are in a better spot because they understand how long birth takes.
1: Well, that's certainly a big um part of the solution, and it's interesting uh, because ACOG, um, which is the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, and I have a lot to share about what they've had to say, um, but in, tr- in terms of what you're talking about with, um, uh, Mark, with midwives being a solution and something that we see around the world as working better a lot of the times when you have midwife-led care... Even ACOG has stated um, and reaffirmed in 2019 that they see um, as a significant way to reduce the C-section rate, which they've got some comments on that um, about the United States. But a significant way to do that is to increase women's access to non-medical interventions during labor, such as continuous labor and delivery support and um, no one provides continuous labor and delivery support as well as a midwife does. Um, a doula is a close second, um, but one of the things we referred to in our last couple of episodes was how most women who go into a hospital birth expect that their nurse will spend the majority of her time by the bed and coaching them through labor, and then In reality, that doesn't happen. The nurse spends, I think, about 10 to 15% of their time. So, so much of what is needed to help fix this need for cesareans, even through um, ACOG's recommendations, is a realization that more human touch is needed, and that's really something that midwives offer um, as a great solution. They're non-intrusive. They're there to support, and I think that that's one of the reasons that... um, they do in the end even lead to a decrease in cesarean rates in the countries where they lead the care.
0: The question is, how can we ignore the fact that our country has a rising maternal mortality rate? And if just because, well, that's the way that it makes sense and, you know, it just needs to keep going that way is costing people their lives, then it's time to look into the way that we think and reassess it.
1: Yeah, we have to reassess it because these numbers and these percentages, um, you know, they just look like numbers and they feel like numbers when you hear about them in reports, but they represent real women, real families that um, every year lose their mother um, or their wife or their significant other. Um, It's a real problem. And the fact that it's a growing problem and it hasn't been nipped in the bud and it hasn't been addressed, um, that's why I think it's just so important to keep having conversations and to flipping over possible solutions, what we know is a good solution based on what the rest of the world does, and then looking at what we're doing wrong. And one of the second sections I wanted to take us into in this um, is some a specific look at states with higher C-section rates because, um, as I mentioned, the maternal mortality rate varies by state. And so I wanted to look at, you know, how that lines up in terms of um, C-section rates across the country, because the C-section rates across the country vary quite a bit as well. And um, according to the USA Today, they did a great, really easy to follow and read article that broke down state by state, the maternal mortality rate. And um, They gave some rankings as far as where each state fits into, and a couple of causes for concern in that report as well, and what the USA Today reported on, is that there are several states that don't release their MMR rate. They don't gather that information. So these numbers across the U.S. are larger than we know because there are states that aren't reporting on this. So that's something that needs to be fixed and something we'll address in another episode But um, when it came to some of the top-ranking maternal mortality rates in the country, this was not always the case. Um, There were a couple of exceptions to what I found. States that ranked um, above the national average for MMR per every 100,000 also had C-section rates that ticked up much closer to 40% than the 30% national average. So these include um, Mississippi at number 19 in terms of maternal mortality rate at 20.8 deaths per 100,000 in the state of Mississippi. They have a C-section rate of 37.2%. Kentucky ranks at number 13, number one being the worst. Um, With 22.9 deaths per 100,000 births, they have a 39.7 C-section rate. New Jersey ranks at number five with 36.2 maternal deaths per 100,000 births. They have a C-section rate of 38.8%. And then Louisiana, which ranks at number one, with 58 maternal deaths per 100,000 has a C-section rate of 35.4%. So there does certainly seem to be um, correlation in those higher C-section rates state-by-state state and the higher ranking MMR rates across the country.
0: This is something we've covered in previous episodes, but C-sections are the highest or one of the highest, if not the highest, um, procedures or most common procedures pre, um, performed in the United States. And so there's a lot of revenue that comes with that also. So understanding that um, the, the way that a lot of these hospitals are making money are escalating, is by escalating issues, um, and that needs to be addressed, and that's a different subject entirely. But um, this just goes back to the question about, are these medically necessary? And if they're not, then why are we performing a life-saving intervention on something that's not medically necessary?
1: So with all of that context, as far as the rate in the United States um, for C-sections and MMR, um, an important question becomes, well, what does the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists have to say about our high C-section rate? and its correlation with the maternal mortality rate. And the reason that that question is really important is because it is the purpose of this organization to um, promote and maintain high standards for women's health care. Um, it's also their job to provide quality, continuing education for its members so they hold the future in their hands. And it's also their job to establish the patient care standards. So while they're a big part of the solution, it must be stated that they are a big part of why we are where we are right now. And so what they have had to say, what they say now, gives you an indicator of how aggressively they're going to be fixing this problem. And they do state um, that there are several things that they're investigating and looking into how it contributes to the maternal Uh, mortality rate. And one of them does include cesarean births. So there's quite a bit that ACOG has to say on this subject, and I don't want to rush through it. So I think that we will table that for our next episode and dive into ACOG's statements on um, this connection and what they're going to do about it.
0: Well, awesome. You know, this is something that obviously we care a lot about because it's something that you know, we've seen firsthand how um, unnecessary interventions can create additional issues. And we're all about finding ways to um, empower women to have the birth that they choose through um, whatever path that they want to go through. And we're not saying that there's anything wrong with, you know, cesarean sections, if C-sections, if that's what um, you prefer to Go by then, that's fine. There, there's nobody's gonna judge you, um, especially not here. Um, we don't. That's not a problem. But the thing is about empowerment and about having the having your voice in the moment of birth is all about having a plan. And we've talked a lot about that in previous episodes. So I'd encourage you to look through those and check those out. Um, Faith has a lot of um, information about how to be properly prepared so that you feel like you're in control. But in the end, this is about, um, you know, women who don't have control and don't have a voice because the system is set up to um, intervene and escalate. And if we can help figure out the solution to that problem, then that's really awesome. So, you know, continue to educate yourself, um, take, your, take the time to look in the, um, in the subject, in the details of this podcast Um, we provide links to the research that faith uses so take a look at that this is all about education and empowerment so we appreciate you taking the time to join us for it starts at birth my name is mark
1: and my name is faith and certainly when it comes to being an empowered individual and an empowered mother education is key and just making yourself aware of what the circumstances are, what the contributors to those circumstances may be. And I think if there's any one takeaway from this episode or hopefully any episodes that we ever have um, and do in the future is just that you as the mother, um, you as the father, if you're listening, are in charge. And you get to make the final calls And one of the things that we'll really dive into in the next episode is that even ACOG admits that maybe the training that they have done has been incorrect and hasn't been what's safest and best for women. So you won't always know in your life um, what the research and the evidence is going to suggest later on or reveal later on. But if you have a gut instinct Or you feel like something that a medical quote expert is recommending isn't right for you, then you have um, the right to question it. You have the right to dive into what is really needed for you and your baby. And I hope that this podcast just inspires you and supports you if you're that type of person um, in your quest to have the birth and the pregnancy that is best for you and your baby. So thank you for taking the time to join us today. We've got a lot more to cover in the next episode.